0: That's indeed.com slash Blue Wire Sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire Sports. Terms and Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Bench with Bubba. Before we get started with episode 121, got a couple of things to talk to you about. And one of them is to help you with your NFL DFS. After you listen to the two-point conversion NFL DFS podcast. Check out thequantedge.com. Are you tired of getting crushed by the pros? DSF, DFS players, sports bettors, listen up. Thequantedge.com has the tools you need to play like a pro. With our lineup optimizer, injury tool, wide receiver, cornerback matchups, and head-to-head tools, you'll be armed with everything you need to win. Make up to 150 lineups in seconds. See matchups to exploit and compare players to help you make the right decisions that you are on the fence about with thequantedge.com you get exclusive access to industry experts, articles, podcasts, and the TQE community by participating in the premium membership chat. We at Benched with Bubba have a special deal for our loyal listeners. Using promo code BENCHED, B-E-N-C-H-E-D, you'll get $10 off your first month at thequantech.com. That's BENCHED, B-E-N-C-H-E-D, for $10 off your first month at the So go to thequantech.com and sign up today with promo code BENCHED, B-E-N-C-H-E-D. Also, I want to talk to you guys about drafts. Great way to play fancy sports. It's draft.com, draft in your app store. Snake style drafts, just the way you like them. They got football, cracking on the weekends, many different slates. You got baseball, you're gonna have hockey, basketball, golf, all of the fun stuff you're looking for. Drafts take less than five minutes. You get paid out the next day. And then when you use promo code SD Sports at checkout, you'll get entry into a free $3 tournament of your choice. So go check them out, draft.com, draft in your app store, promo code SD Sports when you check out for free entry into a $3 tournament. Now, to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba, episode 121, joined by Ryan Bloomfield of Baseball HQ. We're going to recap the Rotowire Dynasty Invitational, talk some hot players, are they just September flukes or not? And give a little dip into the two early mock drafts that we have just kicked off, thanks to Justin Mason. So check it out. Based of Bubba Episode one hundred twenty one. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode one twenty one. Going to talk some fantasy baseball. In order to do so, have a, a guest you have had on before, a recurring guest. One may say you can find him on Twitter at
2: Ryan B H Q. Ryan Bloomfield. How are we doing, man? I'm doing great, Bubba. We got what two weeks left, so it's it's time to grind it out. Yeah. Yeah, most people have probably thrown in the towel. There's still some uh, going hard and
1: uh, going at it, and I play DFS a lot, so I love it because I'm getting a lot of uh, guys to look forward to for next year, so that's kind of what we'll uh, we'll talk about a little bit tonight, and then we have our two early mocks that we're in, which is pretty pretty fun, and before I even get into it, I'll, I could say this for later, but
2: did you do the two early mocks last year as well? I did. I did. I should probably look back and see... <laughs> who I took and it, it, it's, it's, it's fun. Cause there's just nothing to go off of. Like I haven't done 2019 rankings. There's no ADP. Like it's a completely blind way to do it. It'd be cool to, to check that out. What I did last year. Where, I didn't know if you were in it or not, or.
1: Yeah, I was, I was yeah. And that's why I, it's a good point. You mentioned, maybe we'll have a good old smata as we'll talk about him a little later get his uh, charts yeah. going on that and figure it's so nice that he's a maniac with that stuff. But uh, we'll get him on that. And then that's a shout out to Justin Mason as well. That's one of his little pet projects. But yeah, um, before we do that, let's talk about some players. We'll got a couple offensive players, a couple pitchers to talk about. Ryan O'Hearn. Uh, the Royals are actually kind of fun to watch right now. They're calling up some guys that are are balling out, and Ryan O'Hearn is one of them. He's batting, you know, fourth or fifth in the lineup, left-handed bat, some decent pop. Is this kind of a you know the future first baseman for
2: the Royals, or is this kind of a just a timber call up deal? Yeah, it's kind of funny you say that because I really, honestly, haven't seen much of O'Hearn. Haven't watched the Royals of late, and I probably should like they're way out of it, but they've got a lot of excitement going on, uh, with Merrifield, Mondesi, O'Hearn. Um, it's actually a pretty exciting group. Um, in general though, on O'Hearn, I'm not the biggest fan. I've got to lean more on our, on our prospect guys over at HQ. They gave them for those that are familiar with HQ's prospect ratings, they gave them a seven C prospect rating, which is pretty much a a 50% chance to be a, to be an everyday guy. Um, there, you know, the power has been impressive. It's been a small sample, uh, but uh, the, you know, the minor league power has has been, has been good, but not great. You know, O'Hearn hit 11 homers in a hundred games in the, in the PCL this year, he hit 22 homers last year. So, you know, that that's, that's not bad, but certainly not, you know, what he's been showing in the majors, got some contact issues. We've got his minor league equivalents down to like a 220, 240 batting average. Can't really hit lefties. So, um, you know, it's a big leap of faith to, to, to buy in on somebody with, with that small of a, of an MLB look. I think pitchers are going to adjust to O'Hearn. He's, he's really in a, in a tough part for lefty power. Um, we'll see how that lineup looks next year, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm not really buying in on O'Hearn. It, it, it's, it's a great story. It's a great small sample story, but I, I'm not going to reach for him in drafts next year.
1: No, I like that. Uh, that's kind of the, the point right now. Is some of these guys are, are they just September's, you know, darlings, or do they actually have a future. And um, I never heard of them until about three weeks ago. I have no clue who the guy was. Yep. And I, I, I don't like digging deep on prospects, but so I kind of have a rough idea on most teams kind of top, you know, handful of prospects. This guy wasn't on the radar at all. So it really, really surprised me.
2: Yeah. And you bring up a good point about just September in general. Like we don't know, you know, the pitchers that are, you know, that are facing our, our, Sometimes, depending on the schedule, those aren't playoff teams. You should have seen the Cleveland lineup today, the day after they won AL Central. It exactly. was uh, definitely the hangover lineup with Donaldson in there. But, uh, but yeah, all these September uh, performances you got to take with that grain of salt.
1: Yeah, we're seeing more teams use the opener now. You're seeing, you know, guys that are probably eighth or ninth guys in a rotation coming in. There's all kinds of different things happening with these expanded rosters. And a team like the Royals and these other teams that need to see what they have for the future, you're going to see a lot of interesting scenarios there. Let's talk Alberto Mondesio. This guy might not be a September guy because this guy's getting a lot of buzz around the industry. He's had a really, really good second half. On the season, he has 24 stolen bases, and he's got some pop. He went deep again on Sunday. Um, Many were kind of writing him off early in the season, thinking, you know, we drafted him late for stolen bases. He wasn't doing anything. Now he's just raking. What's your thoughts on Mondesio?
2: Yeah, really has not done anything until the second half. Uh, you know, In the minors, he you know kind of teased us a couple times, winning starting gigs in Kansas City and then not following through with it. And wow, yeah, nine home runs now with the bomb today, 24 steals, hitting over 280. It's an impressive profile, honestly. It, it's also a risky profile. I'm going to be really interested to see. I don't think the two early mocks are deep enough. Um, I think ours is like in the fifth round um, yeah. to where Mondesi is being taken yet. Um, just a, yeah, a fascinating case. I think of Mondesi as having like a Trey Turner ceiling, but a Keon Broxton floor, the, Ooh. the plate skills are Broxton esque. I uh, guess he makes a little bit more contact than, than Keon Broxton does, but there, there's no patience at the plate. That's going to drive a lot of folks away from Mondesi. Um, it's going to cut into his OBP his stolen base opportunities, but, I mean, he runs every chance he gets. And Kansas City has said his lighter's greener than green, at least in the in, in the second half of this season. And that's playing out with with those steals. So, you know, don't want to prorate uh, what he's done this year over a full season, but he's got fifty stolen bases in those legs if he can get on base enough and uh, and, and get that green light. Um, I mentioned the plate skills. The the, the the thing that's been impressive has been the pop, as you mentioned, Bob, a forty two percent hard contact or hard hit rate. This year, this strikeout rate isn't, hasn't been horrible, um, so it, it's an impressive profile. It, it all depends on the price. I, I, if I had to guess, he'd probably be right on the fringe of a top 100 pick next year. It all depends how much risk you want to take on and uh, really how you've constructed your team through those first six-ish rounds. If you really need steals um, in an environment where steals are scarce, could make a could make a huge impact. So it's, it's going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, looking at uh, Samada's ADP through all the mock drafts so far, he's gone through about 57 picks, and there's no Mondesi yet. So 12-team yeah. league, we're almost through five rounds in theory, so he's not there yet. Um, it'll be interesting, though, because like you said, the Trey Turner ceiling, well, Trey Turner's going in the first round in okay. a lot of drafts you got his teammate, Whit Merrifield, who is running like crazy. And, you know, going into this season, you heard it all the time, there were a lot of people who had nothing to do with Whit Merrifield. And, sure, the power declined. You could say, okay, that's what we expected. But the stolen bases are legit. They are right there. He's scoring runs. He's getting on base. He's doing what this year is what he's doing, I think, is a more consistent reality of Whit Merrifield, what we've seen with his hit tools and whatnot. Um, It could be interesting with those two at the top of that order.
2: Yeah, it's funny with, 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 with Merrifield, and I tweeted this out the other day, the, the total narrative in the industry, myself included, was what Merrifield's going to regress, that's a given. What's he going to regress to? He's actually gotten better, hitting over 300 more steals. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to compare Montecito to Merrifield. I like Merrifield a lot more. He's got the better play skills, a lot more contact. But, uh, um, but yeah, it's an interesting top of the line that they might have over there. Yeah, it's going to be really,
1: really interesting. Um, You know, Mondesi, like you were already saying, really only a second half. Even in the minors, he kind of just teased us and really never dominated the way we'd want him to. Um, I'm pulling up another player, and George Bissell, who we all know, told me I was crazy for this comparison. But then there's another guys, Walter McMichael and some others, that have said, okay, I I can see where your head's at in this scenario. They at least give it the, the time of day. Now, Mondesi, like you said, he's going to be maybe a top 100 guy because the hype train is real. Like, it's going right now. A guy that people just continue to just dog on and dog on and dog on is Jose Peraza. And I know Peraza's been bad, but hear me out. He's hit 294 in the second half. He hit 293 in the, in the first half, so he's obviously hitting well for the season. He has 23 stolen bases on the air, 12 home runs, and you could probably get him at the very end of your draft. Does that appeal to you more than Mondesi, or am I just shooting at something crazy? Because I'll, you Be totally honest with me. Am I crazy?
2: I like Peraza actually a little bit more than Mondesi. I just that's like the, I you. like the floor higher. I mean, <laughs> he actually ma- I mean, Peraza makes a ton of contact. Like, I think he's a legit two eighty two ninety hitter. He's hitting two ninety four this year. A twenty six percent line drive rate, eighty eight percent contact rate. I mean, that's actually pretty elite. He doesn't walk much. I don't believe in like the twenty homer power. Uh, I think, which I think <laughs> Mondesi has. I think Mondesi has the higher kind of stolen base ceiling, but. um Peraza could swipe 30 plus bags, score a bunch of runs. And I think that batting average floor is pretty high. So that's, uh, I'd actually take Peraza over Mohanasi right now. I love it.
1: Um, too bad I said that now. You'll probably take him in the mock draft for me. But um, <laughs> that's that's one that's one thing I was really. I've been looking at him and looking at him, going the value wise, production wise. Go get your Homer somewhere else if that's what you need. But uh, I'll take the Peraza side. Yeah,
2: right. and I w- I just wish Peraza would run a little bit more. He doesn't get like the complete freedom on the base pass that Montes gets. But uh, but yeah, those skills are much higher floor.
1: And I think as the Reds continue their redevelopment and eventually kind of Joey Votto gets out of the way a little bit, I think you might see Peraza running a little bit more in that lineup. That's just a hunch, but you never know. Usually younger teams tend to head that way, but we'll see. Yeah, um, Let's talk about Jeff McNeil of the Mets. This is a guy, another you know prospect. He was on the MLB Pipeline Prospects of the Year teams. Uh, he, he really kind of – you know, he was good, but really jumped on the scene this year. He's uh, having a great time with the Mets, one would say. And in the second half, you know, it's only 229, but you look at um, September's slow, but August, he was very, very good. July, he was good. Um, overall, hitting well with a, a little bit more power than you expect. What's your thoughts on a Jeff McNeil going forward?
2: I'm a little skeptical on McNeil. Uh, this The story's been great. The the breakout, like you said, really he's came out of nowhere. It uh, really wasn't that great in the minors until this year. Uh, looked really good in AAA, and then uh, obviously he's hitting, what, over 330 with the Mets um right now so i see with mcneil i see kind of an empty batting average i I like the contact that he's making 90 percent contact rate through 175 at bats he's hitting 343 uh beg my part beg your pardon yeah that's that's impressive um but i just i don't see the quality of contact isn't there for me he's got a 33 percent hard hit rate so i don't see a whole lot of power um Used to have some speed game, but hasn't stolen ten plus bags since 2015. So I don't know. Uh, not very sexy guy. I, I'd like him to uh, since you're since you're a Giants fan, Bubba, I I I'd, I'd throw like a Joe Panic comp on him back when yeah. back when Joe Panic was oh, decent. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> that tempers expectations quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I could see a plus batting average. Um, I don't see the I don't see the counting stats honestly so i I don't see the the speed or the power right now
1: okay that's fair because he's a guy i've asked a few guests recently about him because unless you're the deepest of the deepest like we said in the prospect world you really he's he's kind of surprising a lot of people this
2: year he is he is and again that's a good joe panic so like a 300 joe panic but with uh, joe panic
1: was an all-star at one time he was an all-star at one time so i remember
2: that not this year, but... <laughs> no, no, no. There's a lot of things that didn't go right in
1: San Francisco this year. But, uh, that's a whole other podcast that involves a few adult beverages and whatnot. Yeah,
2: get, get a couple beers in you and let you go for an no. hour with that.
1: Yeah, I can have a lot of fun with that one because there's a lot of things I do differently, but I don't get paid to do that. Um, let's talk about a couple of pitchers now. When we talked about some, you know, there's some darlings that jumped off up the, the draft boards last year. Luis Castillo maybe was the most movable picture we saw out there He just skyrocketed up Everybody loved him And for, for valid reasons Everything we saw in a given small sample Was very very good There was a lot to like It didn't start the year that way But what we have seen In the last Since the all-star break even Has been outstanding A lot more of the Luis Castillo We've grown to love uh, What are your your thoughts on Luis Castillo going forward Is this Are you finally buying in on Luis Castillo
2: I mean, I, I bought in a few times, especially early uh, in the 2018 draft season before his price went kind of insane. I think he ended up a top 100 pick, like 92 ADP, um, which is more than the innings that he threw last year. But um, he's reeling us back in, man. It's it's yeah, unbelievable the, the transformation that he's made from the first half to second half. He's been like a completely different pitcher uh, more strikeouts, more whiffs. For me, the, the velocity has been, has been crazy. The velocity was up in 97 last year and made some headlines at the beginning of 2018. It was down to 95, 96. Still good, but not what it was. Um, since August, he's back up to 97 miles an hour. Um, he's pairing that with more first pitch strikes, which is a metric that I look at all the time when evaluating starters, getting at, getting ahead, getting 0-1. Really correlates to a good walk rate, which he's had in the second half. Really, he's had an elite like 1.5 walks per nine. I know he pitched today. I don't know uh, what the final line was, but uh, but things are looking really good for Castillo in the second half. A major pitch mix change has kind of driven some of those skill uh, performances. So he's throwing a lot more sinkers. He's kind of ditched the four seam fastball and throwing a lot more sliders, which he's getting uh, quite a bit more uh, swing and miss on. So what do we do with Castillo next year? I mean, he was horrible in the first half. I mean, really a negative to your lineup. He had a, an ERA of um, 5.85 through his first 17 starts, and it's down to 3.09. I think his ADP is going to drop a little bit, but if he's available around 150, I don't know if he will be for me uh, next year. So that would be like the seventh or sorry, like the ninth, tenth round, like an SP3. I would take him. He'll probably go higher than that, given the finish, though. I think there's a lot of people who really like Castillo, and uh, and probably deservedly so. The second half version of him is, is pretty good.
1: Yeah, I don't think he'll fall that far. I'd love him to fall that far. I agree. You kind of have to go in there thinking SP3 to kind of temper your expectations, unless you're one of those guys that shoots for the moon, which, you know, if that's what you want to do, say, in an FBC and you want to win it all, then you go for that kind of stuff. Uh, today against Chicago, he pick up the W, six and two-thirds, four hits, one earned. Only two strikeouts to go with four walks, but still pretty darn outstanding. 55% ground ball rating against the Cubbies. Not bad at all. So um, obviously looking good. I wish the strikeouts were higher, but yeah. I guess we'll, we'll, we'll work on one thing at a time with Luis Castillo. Yeah, yep. Um, let's talk about another one. This guy completely confuses me. I mentioned him to a bunch of people through the show and other just talking on Twitter. Shane Bieber, you look at all peripherals, and he was a pitch-to-contact guy for the most part in the minors, not a bunch of strikeouts, uh, doesn't overwhelm you, uh, very good um, control, work in the corners, that kind of stuff. He's come up with the, the Indians, and outside of getting kind of beat up today, has been really, really good this second go-around with them. What do you see with uh, Shane Bieber?
2: Yeah, he's been, he's been a, a confusing one for sure. Yeah. Um... You mentioned the the control, the location. Yeah, it's been great for him. One point uh, seven walks per nine before today's start. But yeah, the really the, the the really baffling thing was he was a pitch to contact guy. He's got uh, more strikeouts than innings right now, and he's got a twelve percent whiff rate, which is really good. That supports a, a plus strikeout rate over really a ninety eight innings in the majors. I mean, that's not a small sample anymore that's that's half a season uh, maybe a little bit more so on the surface he's got like a 432 era went up a little bit today but uh, I like the peripherals a lot more um, than that we've got at HQ we've got like a 350 expected era Um, on the Biebs he's 23 years old so there's room for growth you can't you know just kind of pencil him in as a pitch to contact guy this early in his career so these guys can change the slider looks really good um, and I think if he continues to refine that continues to get whiffs, um, he's going to be a decent option in the back end of your rotation in, in 2019. And he's he's going to have a spot in the rotation as well.
0: Yeah,
1: he'll definitely have a spot. Um, he he could be a good, you know, around, let's say, 13 14th, maybe 15th type guy, your you know, fifth, sixth starter, maybe, yep. if he falls that far, be a good little option for you.
2: Yeah, another thing with Bieber too, and, and I'm starting to use this a little bit more when I'm when I'm analyzing guys, just look at the team that he's on. I mean Cleveland they've done a yeah, Cleveland's done a really good job with their starting rotation, just turning guys around. Uh, you know, obviously Kluber's been there a while, but they it, it turned around. Bowers had a major turnaround this year. So um that's that 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 pitching staff knows what they're doing, the coaching staff knows what they're doing. That's you know, another little benefit to to Bieber for next year.
1: I oh, don't know doubt about it, and another part, just you know, the team he's on health because he's in a horrific division that is going to be bad yes. for a long time. The Twins, the Tigers, the
2: the uh, White Sox. It's it's not pretty. It's, it's not almost, pretty at all. It's almost like he's a National League pitcher with the DH. But yes. yeah, it's, yeah,
1: yeah. So that's definitely a good point there. Uh, one last pitcher I want to talk about, and this name has been mentioned everywhere. And just sitting here thinking about it now, he might be this the 2019 draft version of Luis Castillo, the way that Helium's just going to keep going with Herman Marquez, the way he's, you know, first off, you don't take a course pitcher, and now all of them are pretty much pitching uh, really well at home. But Marquez just looks phenomenal. Road, home, doesn't matter. Um, wasn't lights out Saturday night uh, in San Francisco, which is very, very surprising. But um, overall in the season, he's been great. Second half's been phenomenal. Where do you see a guy like Herman Marquez going next year? Because everything we're seeing, he's another one of those younger arms that keeps developing. Kind of like you said with Bieber, this
2: kid looks really, really good. He looks amazing. I've seen a few of his starts. I've watched a bunch of, you know, that the, the whole race in the NOS has it, been spectacular to watch, except for the Giants. Sorry, man. From, from afar, it's been great. <laughs> yeah. At least you're not a Padres, man. We,
1: we, get, we get to see all of them come into town and hopefully, you know, spoil a little fun.
2: Yeah. Um, But yeah, what Marquez is doing is is insane. He's really been a top 10 pitcher. Above the surface, below the surface in the second half. I picked him up um, in a few leagues around the All-Star break and reaping the rewards in, in a couple leagues there. Um, major slider uptick in, in the second half. He's throwing 25% sliders since August. That's been a, a knockout pitch for Marquez. 21% swinging strike rate on his slider, 57% ground ball, and a 41% chase rate. I mean, no, that's exactly what you want. whiffs and ground balls, especially in course Field, um, with a pitch that you're developing and starting to use more. Um, so that's a really good kind of tangible change that's that's driving some skill growth for Marquez. Uh, Bubba, you mentioned, though, you know, the home road really hasn't mattered uh, lately. His last three games at course, 31 strikeouts and three walks. I mean, that's that's crazy. Um, he's young. Uh, you know, I the thing with Marquez is just, you know, when was the last time we've had a pitcher in Colorado sustainably hold success over a year, two years, it, it you know, few and far between if any, it's and risky. I think, yeah, it, it is. And it's, you know, do you take a half season of what he's done, which has been really good um, and expect that to kind of continue in course field next year. It, it's a tough ask. Even if you're a really good pitcher, I'm probably laying off him for that reason, but uh, did you hear an alarm go off? Yeah. It's, you must be on the clock. I am on the clock in
1: the too early mock. Nice. <laughs> we could do this live. He's got the turn, everybody. By the way,
2: around five <laughs> and six picks. We could do a we could do a live pick here when we get to it. Yeah, um, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty good. But uh, but yeah, to wrap up, Marquez. I, I think he will. Be, I think you you make a great point with the helium on, with like Castillo for last year. Marquez could certainly be that guy, and I might be out on him just because of that course field factor. Like nobody has been able to pitch well there ever <laughs> for a sustainable yeah. amount of time. So that, that that's tough for me. That's the part cause this year we thought John Gray would be
1: that guy. Cause what we saw from him and he's might, might be the worst out of all of their young arms pitching in Coors field right now, which is crazy.
2: Even guys, so, even, even NLS guys that have had built up a large sample at Coors field, like Clayton Kershaw. His, I don't have the numbers in front of me. His numbers at Coors are okay. And he's yeah. like, you know, the greatest pitcher um, in the last decade. So um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, let's just talk about, it. like, uh, I'm on the fan tracks, player rank, like stats and rankings um, through the through the Fantasy Invitational League. Uh, right now, Marquez is the 20th starting pitcher, or, or overall pitcher on fan gra- our tracks this season, which is uh, pretty impressive. I don't see him being the 20th pitcher off the board in drafts, but um, some pitchers around him I want to
2: ask you about. Mike Fulton-Evich, compare. Um, two, two surprises this year. Yeah, and uh, Folti's kind of just getting better. I, I'd probably take Fulte over um, over Marquez. Well, Jameis and Tyon. I would take Tyon as well. Um, last one. Okay, these rankings
1: can't be right, though, because somehow uh, – because they rank in wins probably because Jacob DeGrom is 27th. That's That tells you everything you need to know right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it depends
2: how many wins, but yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: for fantasy, I guess that does count, but uh, – yeah, Mar- Marquez, 20th ranked pitcher, which is pretty darn surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, all right, before we get into those two early mocks we keep hinting at and kind of talking about a little bit, I do want to know how you're doing in the Road Wire Dynasty Invitational. When, when Ryan joined me in the preseason to kind of break down some fantasy baseball stuff, he just completed his draft. We went over it all. I was a big fan of the idea. That's how I do my fa- dynasty drafts.
2: Last time I saw it was like a month or so ago you were doing pretty well. How is that going for you? Yeah, it's. I want the season to end <laughs> because I, <laughs> I have been sitting in the lead all year. Uh, well, pretty much all year. I probably took over like in May, mid-May, um, and have pretty much been in first throughout. And it's like every couple weeks, someone else gets within, you know, five points of me, um, and then they fall, and someone else pops up. So um, still in first. It's a, so the the RotoWire Dynasty Invitational. This was a from scratch dynasty that we started um last december 20 teams standard five by five so i've got like 165 points which is a little bit you know misleading for those of you that have used in 12 or 15 team leagues um points move a lot with 20 you know in a 20 team mixer so on any given day you could go up by five or six so i'm holding on to a five point lead right now um really have had you know, my strategy going into the draft, which we talked about before the season, was to kind of grab pre peak guys. Um my first pick or guys right, you know, kind of late twenties, twenty seven, twenty-eight guys with a few more years of um you know, of peak left to go. I started with Arenado, uh JD Martinez, Christian Yelich as, as a yeah. one, two, three. That, that didn't suck. That didn't suck. My first two pictures <laughs> um actually my first pitcher was garrett cole in the sixth round i took corbin like in the 15th so I, i've just hit on a you know a bunch of guys and that that's been good for me so so we'll see it's it's like i said i'm ready for the season to end i want this thing to be over with and and get the title it's one of the things i tell myself i don't know if you do this but i tell myself every year i'm not gonna watch you know live scoring refresh and just sit there and and look at uh categories change but damn every night i'm looking at this thing and it's you know
1: it, it it's hard not to when you're in the race that's Thank for God. sure like when you're right there and you know people say why do you guys play in these leagues with no money and all well, there's a lot of um, pride involved in things like this that i i told somebody actually over the weekend i said i'd almost rather win most of my non money drafts because of the people i'm playing against than the money ones I'm in sometimes.
2: Yeah, this has been. Yeah, I mentioned a few of the. You know, like teams are sprouting up and they'll contend for a few weeks. It, beginning part of the season, it was it was Rob Silver. Then it was James Anderson and Ian Kahn. They they co-own a team now. It's Eddie Almaguer who's right on my heels. So it's yeah, it's a bunch of industry guys that are kind of nipping at me. So it would be pretty sweet to uh, to hoist the hoist the trophy uh, in the next two weeks. But uh,
1: and as long as you beat the Welsh, it's all I care about.
2: Yeah, the Welsh is uh, is rebuilding,
1: we'll say that. Yeah, I, I remember his strategy wasn't quite the uh, go-for-it-now strategy. He pretty much tanked it out the gate. <laughs> it,
2: it, it's been interesting. I mean, and, uh, the trade deadline was very uh, active in this dynamic. This is – you keep – it's 40-minute rosters. You keep 35 forever. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of – I don't want to say dump trading, but – um, you know, positioning yourself for 2019. Um, so there was that kind of thing. And I definitely had to make some deals to to stay above uh, water. So far I'm doing that, but a lot can change, man.
1: Yeah, that's the beauty of the, uh, the Dynasty Leagues. A lot of different ideas and ways to do things. So mm-hmm. that's what I love about it. That's why I wanted to ask you, because I knew I was a big fan of your strategy. I used a similar strategy in a startup. I'm second in it. Um, so I don't think I'm going to take it down like you did, but uh, I, I do like it a lot. It's definitely a way to do it. All right, let's talk about these two early mocks. For those that don't know and haven't figured it out yet, these are mock drafts for the 2019 fantasy baseball season, even though we are still in 2018. Our buddy Justin Mason over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits and the sleeper in the bust puts them together. I believe it's his third year now doing them. The first year was like one or two drafts. Last year, Ryan, I think we had three drafts. And then um, he'll do a conglomerate article and Fangrass about it. And this year, Smata has an amazing um, Google – uh sheets for you to look at already and i got that pulled up right now and it, it runs through league by league pick by pick all the industry people and then an overall adp putting all eight leagues together so it's, it's pretty awesome
2: um and, and, of- and shout out to smada by the way who not he's only for this he is the man not only for the too early mock but for the tgfbi the stuff he's put together in tableau yeah props I wish I knew like a tenth of what he does. Like, <laughs> I, I
1: when it comes to computers, it's it's honestly a miracle I can put a podcast together because I am so electronically dumb. I, I I literally have to teach myself myself stuff by watching like YouTube videos and things. What he can do with these tools is just mind blowing to me.
2: Absolutely, so, he, he's got to get scooped up by some fantasy site or something.
1: Oh, I, I told I told Mason that when I saw him for the Barf uh, football draft. Don't know no, the baseball draft. Because we kind of saw who Smada was, and I was, I was asking him about him. He's like, oh, yeah, because Smada started writing for benefits with him. Mm-hmm. And and then I I talked to, to Mason a lot, and I thought I told him when when, he, when that, that Tableau thing came out, I told him, you better, like, start paying him as your <laughs> only paid writer or something because someone is going to call him up, and he's going to be gone. <laughs>
2: <That's>, <laughs> you know, yep, it's a differentiator
1: for sure. So everybody, what you're hearing right now is he's going to be writing for Baseball HQ in probably, like, two months. Just throwing that <laughs> Uh, i kid i kid um so we are in league one even though we started on friday what are some of the early takeaways to you because you know outside of jose ramirez going first which i get i understand all of it i just had to ask brant about it on twitter and it was not uh, picking on his pick i get it but mike trout not not going one always surprises me
2: mike trout not going one is is a surprise i i i think next year it's going to be trout bets jose ramirez in some order um I don't, you know, I don't disagree with the Jose Ramirez pick number one. If that's your guy, I mean, the guy is pushing to lead the American League in homers and steals, and is hitting over three hundred over the last three years combined. So, can you really argue with that overall? Exactly. exactly. Um, so, I think in most leagues, and I'm pulling up some sheet as well. Trout went one pretty much everywhere, yeah, pretty except much our right. league. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, Trout's my number one, but I, I think any of those three guys won next year is, is a okay. And then after those top three, it gets really interesting. Like, in ours went Landor,
1: Arenado. I took Arenado at five. Um, yep. They're pretty much tied on ADP. J.D. Martinez goes sixth. Um, but Trey Turner went seventh. Does that surprise you at all?
2: It surprises me. Um, just because I think there are similar comps that you can get a little bit later in the draft. We talked about Mondesi um, earlier in this pod. Obviously, Mondesi and Trey Turner are two different guys. But like I said, Mondesi has a Trey Turner-type ceiling, and you're going to get him a little bit later. Um, Alex Chamberlain, who's a great uh, Twitter follow as well. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his Twitter handle. He threw out a comp of... Um, of Trey Turner to Starling Marte, which I thought was kind of spot on. And Marte, I don't know where Marte went in our draft. He went in the third round, 30th overall. So if you can wait a round or two and get Starling Marte, I take him over uh, Turner with that two-round discount. So that was a little bit of a surprise. It's, you know, it, it, it's not a bad pick. Trey Turner can, you know, be a complete difference maker with the stolen bases, especially in this environment. So, um yeah, you know, not a pick I would make, but but it's certainly defensible.
1: No, it definitely is like you see like the peak Trey turner is a game changer for your lineup. It's mm-hmm. just we haven't seen the full Trey turner yet. And that's the question. That was it this year. Coming into this draft season, people were debating taking him third. And some people did. So yeah. um and like the guy that went set second most places, I know I had a lot of places, Jose Altuve. You got him on the turn at number 12. Um, That seems like quite the steal, but the guy I want to ask about first before we go to your two picks is at um, nine, Alex Bregman, and then 10. I was wondering where this man would go. Trevor Story goes
2: 10th overall. Do you
1: believe in that much of a jump for Trevor Story? It
2: was cool to see Bregman and Story. I'm glad, kind of glad you brought those two guys up because, uh, yeah, those are two new names in the first round, and I, I think they are going to kind of linger on that back end wheel. I don't know if they'll go 9-10 come next year's draft season, but uh, in 15-team leagues, you might be looking at those guys at 15-16 or 14-17. I like Bregman a little more than Story. and, and In the early rounds, I, I just lean more towards the plate skills. Um, I think you get a higher floor, more consistency, more more. Um, you know, more things can go right when you put the ball in play, and in Bregman's case, have have budding power. Story's going to be interesting. I mean, he's the first shortstop to go 30-25 since Hanley Ramirez, I think, in 2008. Oh. He's in a perfect hitting environment. Um, he runs like, you You know, the, the counting stat upside is, is Jose Ramirez-esque and you're you're probably getting him 15, 20 picks later. The thing with Story that I worry about, and he's made made strides with contact this year, uh, but before 2018, he was pretty brutal at the plate with the strikeouts. Like, I don't think he's anywhere near a 290 hitter, which I think he's what he's hitting around right now. Yeah,
1: pretty close, yeah.
2: Um, You know, the contact – it. Somewhat supported by a jump in strikeouts, but it's definitely no given that Story's going to hold this newfound strikeout rate, which isn't which isn't great, but it's serviceable for him given the given the power speed upside. So, um, in short, I'm probably not taking Story in the first round. Uh, I think he's more of like a mid second round type, just because I, I can see that contact rate dipping back down closer to where it was before 2018. Yeah, Bregman went ninth in ours. He's averaging about 11.5 ADP,
1: but the story 10th pick by far the highest. He's gone anywhere between 10 and 24. His average ADP is about 19 right now, which sits closer to a guy that I kind of was comparing him to before he really busted out in September, I'd say. It didn't surprise me because Javi Baez, I wanted nothing to do with this season. I didn't believe in it. And I still think you look at if you believe in peripheral stats, which I know most people that pay attention to it do. He's still – there's a lot of things that could regress with Javi Baez. But he's going, you know, a couple picks after Trevor Story on average ADP. He went 14 picks after him in our draft. How do you compare those
2: two? Yeah, that's a tough comparison. Um, I like – I think Baez has more of a chance to hold a higher batting average than Trevor Story does. Um, Baez hit two seventy in the two years prior to 2018 and now he's hitting 295 I believe so I you know he but you know he's a free swinger he's not going to walk uh, that's just that's him but uh, the contact's a little bit better than Trevor Story and yet yeah, so 2016 he had 273 then he had 273 now he's at 295 um so I, I like the batting average floor a little bit more with Baez he's making a ton of hard contact but doesn't hit the fly balls like Story does so I I think You know, Stolen bases are probably going to be about the same. I think with Story, you're going to get a little bit more power, lower batting average. Um, In the end, I can see them both kind of mid-second round guys. Uh, One of the fun ones, we're getting a lot of uh,
1: actually similar draft spots, 14th, 15th, 19th, 13th, someone got him in the 25th pick, and then 13th, Ronald Acuna Jr. uh, After the slow start has just – at one point in the season, it was all Juan Soto, and who is Ronald Acuna Jr.? Now it's almost like he's leaped past Soto, even though I think Soto's still great. But it just seems like whenever you read analysis and even in the draft year, you're getting them almost a full round earlier than Soto. What's your thoughts on Acuna going that early? Because I like Acuna a lot, but like Kristen Yellick's going right next to him.
2: Yeah, and and, uh, full disclosure, I was not on Acuna entering the season. I was one of the guys who, um, you know, within the industry who, you know, as Acuna was – As his draft price was getting pushed higher and higher for someone that had never played in the majors before, I wasn't going to take him around the top 100. I was obviously wrong on that. This kid has just been incredible. 25 homers, 14 steals, 296 batting average. If you believe in the skills and they look incredible, um, I can see Acuna going late first round, early second. I think people are going to take him that high. And I think it's justified. If you get this guy over a full season, he really has not had any problems at all um, with major league pitching, even as they adjust to him. And Acuna's you know, last 31 days, um, he's almost got a one-to-one strikeout to walk rate, 18% homer to fly. He's running like crazy. like He's not slowing down. Pitchers aren't figuring him out. So I can totally see Acuna going that high. I, I don't have a problem with it. As we said earlier, you have the turn, a 12th team league. You had the 12th pick in the first round, first pick in the second.
1: And you went Atuve and Goldschmidt. Is that a, a usual type of setup for you, or is that something looking at you know this year's crop, what you look at?
2: Yeah, I, I'm a, I, I've always been this way. I'm a, I'm a boring drafter <laughs> early on. I, I love to take guys. I like stability. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there, there's a certain boring that, that is really good in fantasy baseball, and it's it served me well uh, in, 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 in a lot of leagues in a lot of years, is to kind of look at guys who have a track record, who may be not coming off the best season. Um, Altuve and Goldschmidt both fit that mold. Um, Altuve has been like the number one player, I think, three of the last four seasons before 2018. I don't know if the skills fully supported that run, but sheer regression after a, a down year this year, I think that's going to make him a, a first-rounder. So I was happy to take Altuve, especially to get hopefully get some wheels. I, I hope he runs a little bit more. I'm not going to sit here and say that he will. Um, I just I hope that he does just to get some steals that early. And same with Goldschmidt. I mean, Goldschmidt has been Goldschmidt over the last, you know, ever since May, pretty much. He, he got off to that awful start that that it kind of lasted a little bit too long <laughs> into the season. But uh, he's he's fine. And to get him at the, you know, this is a 12 team league, but usually I play 15s so to get him at the back end of the first round. I would I would totally do that next year. He's had a $30 season. Um even with that awful start. So I was happy to grab those too. Yeah, I'm so glad Goldschmidt came here because all preseason I was like, don't believe the hype.
1: It's like, you know, certain ballparks, when you're just a good hitter, you're a good hitter. Yep. I've I've watched I've watched 18T Park ever since it was built. And good hitters, I know Barry Bonds is, you know, steroids, no steroids, whatever you believe in. Still a very good hitter. And yeah. it didn't affect him one bit. Goldschmidt is a good, good hitter. It's not gonna bother him. Um and it just I don't know if he had something mentally going on or what, but once he broke out of that. Early season funk, like you talked about, he is just crushing baseballs. And he's in the um, MVP hunt. So yes, he So yep. think about there. here. Um, the way we've seen pitchers kind of get used this year and the lack of consistency and, you know, even going into this season, we talked about there was the, the big four. Then there was another tier. And then after that tier, it really dropped into us like a, a, a hodgepodge of just this like you're just going to throw darts at it hope you get three or four that that worked for you and it's been hard to find this year with injuries um yeah. max scherzer went in the first round eighth overall in our draft only pitcher in the first round chris sale went in the second round 15th um we had jacob Degrom was the third pitcher off the board late second round at 22 to donnie miller um you know aaron Nola was the fourth pitcher off the board then kluber and severino but Nolan Degrom. Um, third and fourth off the board. Any takeaways you're, that are you're kind of seeing with the pitching in this draft?
2: Yeah, I think I think what we're going to have. And you mentioned the big four last year, and then a huge kind of one A tier after that. I think we're going to have a a, a larger one A tier this year. So I I agree with Scherzer at the top. Like he's a top ten pick for me. Um, I think Sale still is the number two pitcher as well. Yes, the shoulder. Is a little bit of an issue, but it's shoulder inflammation. There's nothing structural there. I, 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 I I'm okay with Sale going second. I think Degrom's the third best pitcher, um, so I actually have them one, two, three chalk as well. Um, Kluber and Severino and Cole. I think then you get to a larger tier uh, with Nola. I took at the end of the third. I took Verlander. So the third round, Kershaw went yeah, Nola, Kluber, Severino, Cole, and, uh, Kershaw Verlander. I think we're going to see a similar kind of thing in 2019 where everyone's going, or pretty much everybody's going to grab an ace in the first three to four rounds. And I think that's just a trend that, you know, we've seen. I, I, I think, and and a lot of HQ research has proven this out that the elite of the elite starting pitchers tend to hold their value more than even like the one A tier one A guys. So I always try and get somebody in that in those first three rounds. And for me, it was it was Verlander who kind of fell to the end of the third round for me. Yeah,
1: I, I liked the way the pitchers fell. You can kind of tell this was more of a quote unquote experts draft based on the way things moved. Because one that stood out to me a lot and. He was the bottom of the big four for me this year. His back concerns really, really concerned me, and we've seen more than just the back this year. But Kershaw fell all the way to pick thirty-five right before you took Verlander.
2: Would you have taken Kershaw over Verlander? I would have. Yep, I would have. I got I got sniped by Ol, by our friend Old uh, yeah. one pick before me. I I, I would have taken Kershaw. I think Kershaw is going to go at uh, that much, point in the draft. Thirty-five. It. Yeah. I, I, I think just the ceiling with Kershaw, yes, the back's an issue. This has been a bad year for him, but he's his bad year is a two fifty ERA. Still throwing hundred fifty innings. If you can get that kind of um that production, I mean in best case the back holds up and you get you get vintage Kershaw. Um yeah, I, I would totally go after Kershaw in the third round.
1: And then after your Verlander pick, you doubled up on a first base, but you have a corner infiller and Anthony Rizzo, you went Rizzo. Over the likes of Bellinger, how's that uh, going?
2: Yeah, I'm a I'm a Rizzo fan. I, I I tweeted this out after I took Rizzo. He's he's one of the most consistent guys. I, I mean, that's the type of player that I like to get in the first round or in the early in the draft. Um, I again I took Goldschmidt for in the first round, so or first pick of the second. So I'm kind of cornering myself there with uh, with Rizzo and Goldie literally. But. Yes, literally, no fun intended. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, Rizzo. I mean, Rizzo hit 158 in, in April. No home runs, six runs, six RBIs in April. Since then, he's been the same exact guy who he's been. So, are we going to really punish Rizzo that much uh, for one bad month when really he's been an upper twenties dollar player in each of the last five seasons? So. If if Rizzo's going around 40th overall, which is where he went in ours, um, I will be on him all day.
1: Yeah, the biggest takeaway early on. I got a couple more thoughts, but you know, I went Arenado fifth overall. I like that. Then I, then I came. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Arenado fan. Yeah. Um, I took Stanton 20th overall. I was kind of debating there. I like Ben and a lot, but I love that power factor of Stanton that I could grab there because I felt like I could get other stuff later on. And the one that surprised me that was my third round pick. Charlie Blackman fell to pick twenty nine, and I know he's regressed some this year, but he still has a pretty decent average. He plays in Coors Field. At that price point, he was a first round pick this year. Am I crazy
2: for thinking that's like really, really great, good value? No, that was one of my favorite picks, honestly, and I'm not just blowing smoke. Like I've, I've got, I've got Blackman. I was I, shocked.
1: I'd like double take I'm Like, did I miss something here? Why is he still on the lead? Or like, why is he draftable?
2: Yeah, I mean, even this has been his worst year in. Six years, and he's still hitting two eighty six with twenty six bombs and twelve steals. Yep. Uh, that's almost a thirty dollars season in his worst year in, in six years. So, I still think Blackman he would be an option for me, early second, even late first round uh, in fifteen team leagues. I think Blackman um, is going to be fine. Uh, the, you know he's not going to be the thirty stolen base guy that he was earlier on. But the, the batting average floor, the home run floor, and he still got some speed. Like, that was a fantastic pick in the third round. I, I don't think you're going to get that uh, next spring.
1: No, that's why I was like, okay, can we keep these teams now and play off the season? Because I was yeah, too happy I, with that. Cause then I rolled the dice in the fourth round to pick 44 with Noah Guard. I know he's got his injury woes, but a healthy Noah guard, which is a big if, is disgusting. Yep. Um, and then I rolled the dice on Zach Granke. I, 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 that one kind of – it didn't make me feel good, but at that point I wanted him over Steven Strasburg.
2: So Yeah, yeah, has been he's been kinda of rough in the last, yeah. you know, four or five starts and, and like you said, Cindergaard's the ultimate high floor guy. I probably would have grabbed Carrasco over Cindergaard. I think I, I would have taken Tre- Yeah, it's Trevor Bauer then Carrasco and Walker <laughs> Bueller. I'd probably rather on Bauer and maybe even Bueller. So uh, but again, Cindergaard if you're playing upside, he could be a top three pitcher. So
1: Uh, Any final takeaways from this? Because the one final takeaway I have is this draft seems even deeper than years past. Like we're in round five, and there's still guys that in the recent years we were discussing maybe late second round. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. So that was, I was just going to say that same thing. Last year, the second round was stacked. So we had the guy, we had Francisco Lindor, we had JD Martinez, we had Jose Ramirez, um, all those guys in the second round. I think your typical second, third round is going to be stacked again. There's just too much space. Like Freddie Freeman went 18th overall. I think he has first round skills. Um, if you believe in Judge and Stanton in the power and rebounding, there, those guys are went 19 and 20. Uh, obviously, you took Stanton. Ben Intendi could be yep. this year's Yelich. I mean, and he's yep. he's 21 overall. Then you've got Chris Bryant, who we who haven't talked about. He was a first rounder last year. Shoulder brought him down. Um, this season, but who's to say an off-season of rest, he doesn't snap back to who he was. Javier Baez went 24th. Like, there's a lot of
1: Carlos Correa talent. went
2: 26th. Yep, Carlos Correa went 26th. He took Blackman 29. I talked about Starling Marte earlier. He went 30th. Whit Merrifield went 34, which is probably right for him. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of talent, and I, I think I don't know, and, and the the amount of talent bleeds pretty deep into the mm-hmm. pool this year like 30 plus so um if you can get you know a top four or five pick in a 15 team league next year you're going to start out with three really damn good guys it's going to be loaded absolutely yeah. loaded. like
1: if you're in a, a 10 to 12 teamer i'd probably want a back-end pick almost and roll the dice so you get four studs yep. yeah those like tgfbi next year if someone says i got like the top four again i'm going to be very very happy with life
2: yeah absolutely
1: Well, Ryan, that'll about wrap us up tonight. I'm kind of curious to see where the rest of the mocks go. Um, Any final thoughts? Let everybody know what you got coming up with Baseball HQ.
2: Yeah, so we are just starting. We're looking at 2019. So we just uh, opened up pre-orders for the 2019 Baseball Forecaster and the Minor League Baseball Analyst. Um, If you have been a regular reader to those, go to our website, BaseballHQ.com. Check that out. Um, If you order now a recurring order, you'll get that book by Thanksgiving. Um, An an electronic version of the book by Thanksgiving, and they'll ship um, in mid-December. So we are already diving full into into book mode for 2019. We've also got First Pitch Arizona coming up in November, which is my favorite weekend of the year. Get to go down and watch some fall league games and hang with... uh, Bunch of industry folks and friends that I've made there over the last few years. It's actually sold out this year That's for the crazy. first time ever. Yeah, it's really grown. One of these years, I'd love to have you down there, man.
1: Yeah, um, no, it, it didn't work fun. out for me this year, but uh, I definitely need to because the Welsh gives me crap every time. He's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's an eight-hour drive for you. Why aren't you going? And it's like, it's more than the drive. <laughs> I got stuff to do. <laughs> um,
2: yeah it, yeah it's a it's a it's definitely like a four or five day commitment and and, and yeah. some costs there but it, it's awesome so we, we got that coming up and then like i said book season so got to sweat out these last two weeks of the regular season and then uh 2019 we'll
1: be here soon way soon way sooner than we think but uh, yes. i i recommend the forecaster i i used to have the baseball i know i got football sitting here right next to me so the baseball one used to be right by my right hand at all times on my desk it's a uh it's a go-to. There's a lot of different books out there. I'm not just saying it because Ryan's on. I've had a lot of Baseball HQ guys on. I have had a lot of guys from a lot of companies on. But uh, I'm a big fan of that uh, Forecaster. It's easy to, to find what you're looking for. It's got everything you need. So really, really enjoy that. So go check that out. And if you want to ignore your family for the holidays, you get it
2: before Thanksgiving. It's perfect. Exactly. You have an excuse to kind of slip away, get a glass of bourbon, and and, and get started for next year. There you go. But, everybody, go check him out
1: on Twitter, at RyanBHQ. A lot of good stuff they have going over there. And he's always tweeting out these awesome graphs that I don't even want to make those either. Like, there's so many things, you guys, you damn kids these days. Um, so much stuff you guys can figure out. But uh, thanks for joining me tonight, man.
2: Absolutely, Bob. I appreciate it. Thanks,
1: uh, everybody. This was Benford Bubba, episode 121. Catch you guys next time.